Hey, welcome back to Across the Pond, a Premier League podcast hosted by Americans. This is week two of the ATP resurgence, if you will, a brand new rebranding. Uh, it's me, it's Jacob, it's Peter, it's Miles, it's no Chris, it's no Chris. So if you came for Chris, uh, you may want to stop right now. I, I wonder what okay, we're no actually going to stop saying Chris. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, right away, I thought the fans gave us uh, fans. Listeners, I mean, they may not really be fans, gave you and Miles a great review last week. I thought it was a great podcast, and I wouldn't call it uh, a resurgence. I might call it a reboot or a rebrand. A reboot, yeah. But hopefully it goes better than the time Vincent Tan tried to change Cardiff's colors. Like, we're, we're doing better than that. We are sticking true to form, and we're being original ATP. Got it. It's like ATP 2.0, so it's a rebrand. Refresh. I like it. Um, Peter, sponsored how you doing? Evan? Yeah, sponsored by, sponsored by Soji. I like that. Peter, how you doing? We haven't talked to you in a while. Welcome to your first part of the season. Um, how's things? Doing well. You know, first, uh, you know, Jacob and I are new fathers. So, you know, first weekend watching watching the Premier League with my boy was great. Uh, saw some good saw some good matches, saw some not so good ones. But, you know, he we uh it was good to you could dissect the the tactical all the tactical stuff with your kid, you know, because they're just sponges with knowledge. So you know, teaching him about pressing and all that. By by when he's one years old, he'll know he'll know everything in the game. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I found that I didn't. I, I've had COVID, so I didn't watch much of the matches till I got out of isolation on Sunday. Uh, and then we try and keep our daughter kind of generally not oriented towards the screen, away from it. But when I had her on her back and the Manchester City game was on, there's something about the TV and the colors of sports that I've never seen her been drawn to something more than a football match on TV. Like usually pretty uninterested if it's in the periphery. I cannot keep her head, you know, tilted away. No angles, no mirrors. Nothing could stop her from from watching. Was Kai uh, similarly inclined to yeah be all about it? We he likes light colors, so he likes orange, yellow red so and he sees that you know he likes it and he's gotten to a couple of games already so he's just a people watcher but yeah we're kind of like you so i kind of uh we'll do five ten minutes and then he's usually playing on his play mat so he's not like staring he's not watching 90 minute games with me full disclosure if i got any any parents coming at me, <laughs> coming at me. too much screen time for your baby <laughs> you know i love it i love it so look at look at these renaissance men you know Doing daddy care, watching games, working. Guys, uh, this is ATB is now forming, which was always what we always planned on doing into a total men's, women's, people, lifestyle podcast, right? So we're not limited to just Premier League. But I love it. Um, while you two were both taking care of your uh, children, I was, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about Chris, but I was with Chris uh, in DC. I was, I was in town a little briefly visiting my family um, and met up with him for, he was there for the second half of the United game. So we got to watch that in person, which was nice at Solis Bar, Peter. That's the new United club. I found out about last minute, but um, it's pretty nice. Yeah, Navy Yard. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. been down there, but uh, maybe I'll check it out. At yeah. Some 
Yeah. Well, first of all, parking was pain, and I was already late. But it was it was you know I I caught I caught most of it. Update to surprise as far as United. Uh, but anyway, we're not here to start with that. You know, good energy, good year, new year. So let's <laughs> let's let's jump right into it, gentlemen. Um, we know that we talked a lot last podcast about all the transfers and expectations for the teams. Miles and I, I would love to get some of your takes sprinkled in throughout the podcast, right? But I know we even discussed it in our group chat. Like we thought Arsenal and Tottenham really did some significant business this transfer window and got better. And I would love to just start there. If we talk about North London teams, so we talk about Arsenal playing Crystal Palace, getting a two nothing win, and Tottenham, even though it started off a little shaky. And I, you know, you know how I feel about Southampton being not relevant. They still got an impressive four one win. What were your takeaways from this game? What was your analysis on Jesus on uh, Kane? Give me, give me your thoughts. Well, I'm going to start with uh, Arsenal because that was the first match of the season. And, you know, they really delivered. I, I was really impressed um, by Jesus. He could have had, you know, two assists if Saka and Martinelli had maybe been a bit more clinical. They look, you know, like part of the real deal. Granted, it, it's, it's Palace. Um, but I thought it was really impressive that in the second half, they easily could have folded and conceded. But, you know, being on the back foot, I thought they defended excellently. And I was really impressed by Zinchenko. It looks like a good buy so far. And he will seem to, you know, probably integrate pretty well across the team, whether it's in the midfield at certain points. Um, I think they weren't watching, you know, for week, week two. What did you think about Arsenal, Peter? Arsenal, they're kind of like a, you know, they're a team that's three years into the Arteta project. You know, I'm watching uh, Amazon All or Nothing right now. I watched the first episode last night. And a year ago, it's so funny seeing all the vitriol they got from, you know, that poor start. But you look at this team now and it's Arteta's team. It's deep everywhere. Uh, I was really impressed with Saliba. And, you know, he's a player that, they bought three years ago and they just loaned him out. And now he's one of the best young French defenders. And now, you know, they don't have to play Rob Holding anymore. So, you know, they, it'll be interesting to see how they do against the big teams. I think that's always been their crutch, but um, they're so deep now and they're very comfortable. So, you know, I'm looking forward to good things from them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize their breadth of attacking talent across the season in the various competitions. Like I'm really curious how they use Emil Smith Rowe. He kind of got marginalized at the end of last season and he was injured for periods, but then he had that great scoring vein. I think it was around, you know, November, December, we had about four five, six goals in a row. At that point, Martinelli was injured and out. I just really hope we get to see more of Emil Smith Rowe. And then I'm really liking Saka in this kind of Mo Salah inverted winger role out there. You know, he is always an option. He's always dangerous. Um, but on the other half of London, what do we think about, 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 about Tottenham? Could yeah, they win a before, trophy this year? Well, before you go there, I wanted to just, yeah, I, yeah, good question. But before you go there, I just wanted to wrap up a couple of things in Arsenal. I thought, and, and then also in Crystal Palace, right? Like, so I, I, I thought Gabriel Jesus looked sharp, like, he was doing exactly what you want from a young, talented striker, creating chances, getting in the box. Um, I like Saka. You know, he's my Nigerian brethren, even though he chose to play for England. Um, but I'm just, I, I am just, my only thought 
and I don't have any basis for this, is that can you get good goal productivity from those three gentlemen up top? If that is the starting three, Jesus, Saka, and Martinelli. Like, I see them as kind of like a Chelsea kind of situation, right? Like people who can score, who will score, but not in abundance, right? So will Arsenal get the goal counter they need? That's my first thought. And then Crystal Palace is wasting good chances, like as they missing that that goal right from the net. And then I'm curious to see who, uh, how Edouard plays. I, I don't know much about him. I don't know if you guys do, but he has some bright moments in the match as well. So we'll be, you know, we'll keep an eye out on that team. Well, obviously, I thought the big story from Crystal Palace was right before match time, guys. We heard that Peter is getting all Crystal Palace reject, uh, and, and so is Chris in D.C., Christian Benteke. I mean, that, that's kind of what I was interested in, is like how much it was Palace going to miss having that, and I put threat in quotation marks, up, up top. Uh, but, yeah, Shay, you're, you're right. Can they be reliable? I tend to think yes, but I think they're going to have to rely on – you know, Odegaard and Shaka and really finding some creativity from midfield. You know, we'll have to see how they rotate those parts. But I think once you, once Tierney comes back, I, I would assume that Zinchenko is going to be a little bit more progressive and forward involved and that he can pop up with some goals and some creativity to alleviate, you know, the concern from those three. But, it, but it's a valid point. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so Tottenham, Jacob, to your to your question, uh, thoughts. We got a lot of listening questions on uh, Kuchowski and how we think he's going to get a lot of assists and him playing on top of Song and Kane. Um, first of all, my first surprise is that neither Song nor Kane got a goal. That I mean, how often are we going to see that in a Tottenham in a Tottenham game? But Peter, what are your thoughts on on how they performed against Southampton? Man, when uh, Warpross scored, you know, ten minutes in, you kind of thought okay they a nervous start but because he's using the same roster he had from last season but they just uh quickly you could see how they played and you can see how Conte always plays even when he was at Chelsea when he was at Inter with the back three with the wing backs just pressing so far forward and that's how you saw Sessegnon get the goal and I think he was also responsible for the the own goal that Salasu uh, knocked in but yeah they're super impressive and if you look at that um, not only the front three of Son, Kane and Kolosevsky but uh, Perisic came on and he's 35 or something like that and he's still he's still just looks like he's 23. Richarlson was suspended for this game. Um, so now they just have so many options and they're just like a well-drilled team. And this is probably the best Spurs team I've seen in a long time. It takes two to tango and Shea and Southampton just did not show up. I mean, I was surprised. I tuned into that game a little bit late. I saw that James Ward-Prowse, you know, goal on the replay. And I said, man, this is going to be tough, Peter, as you indicated but they just completely capitulated and folded. And I don't know that I've ever seen such a bad own goal conceded. I mean, you have to just completely forget how to use your feet to, to score that own goal. Um, but, but I think Spurs are, are, are going to be a team, a team to watch. We'll have to see. I really like the interplay between Son and Kane. You could tell that they were looking for each other. It just didn't quite pan out. Uh, I, I want to note that I think Southampton, and I know Eric will be very happy to hear this, I think they're going to get relegated. I mean, they look terrible. And I, I, I'm not sure that any manager maybe is more overrated than Ralph Hasenhutl. I mean, that, that team just completely capitulated. And I'm not sure where the goals are going to come from in that team. 
And so I really think they could be amongst the teams who are traditionally, you know, kind of scraping and getting great results against top clubs. I think they're going to be in the scrap. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I just feel like they, they've stagnated a bit. And the, the players that they've added, some of them are good. Um, you know, I think uh, Joe Oribo from Rangers, young Nigerian player, but like they're very young and they don't have, you know, they don't have a goal threat. It's still um, Adam Armstrong, Che Adams. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're in that, there's three or four teams that I just feel like unless something happens in the next three weeks, there's just, there's a lot of stagnation and yeah, that might put you in a relegation fight as we've seen, you know, you're in the league for so many years and then you just, you don't add too much quality to your squad. So, you know, we'll see what happens with them, but definitely I'm, I, I'm in agreement with you on that. And, I, and I'm sure Shea is too. Yeah. You know, you know how I feel about Southampton, which is a shame because they've produced a <laughs> lot of quality players, but it's just one of those teams that you don't understand how they just stay in the Premier League. But Jacob, yeah, to your point, I don't think you. I think that old goal that we saw this weekend was on par with with the Nigerian goalie throwing it into his net, right? Like that that <laughs> that has to be some question about some match fixing, right? Like, and, and I don't understand like the faces of his teammates like shaking his hand. I know it's week one, so you don't want to be toxic. But you had to literally just sit there looking and be like, what were you doing, bro? Like, one, use your right foot. And then two, what? Like, wow. Yeah. You, you it was awful. Wanna, yeah, it was awful. And it just made I, I want to ask uh, you guys, or maybe ask you, Shay, I want to read a listener statement out, a spicy prediction from the weekend. This is Stateside Hotspur at Stateside underscore THFC. And they said their spiciest take was, Kulishevsky for most assists this season convinced me otherwise. Has anyone taken that bait? Yeah, we had the same question last week. I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't, I, you know, like I think of De Bruyne, I think of, I think of a lot of players before I think of him. I, I don't get it. It could happen. I mean, it's hard to say the most assists, but just the position that he plays in that Spurs team, um, just like right behind Kane. And uh, just watching his movement and his pressing, like I, I remember hearing about him when he was at Juve and he was really talented and I just think he had a bad year, but I could definitely see that. And he's only 22. So young player, a lot of potential. Yeah. Could happen. Yeah. Not yeah, betting on it, but it could happen. <laughs> no, stateside Spurs, you're off your rocker. You know, <laughs> see exhibit A, Sterling Brown Holland, who's about to score loads of goals. And that pass from Kevin De Bruyne, which I'm sure we could come on to later. There's no way it comes from Tottenham. Now, the only I mean, thing he has going in his favor is I don't know who else Tottenham would start in that position to really rival him for minutes. It seems like an area where he's a clear out and out starter. You know, maybe some games more against the nod, but I just can't see it happening. Yeah, it's just it's just a it's just one. It's not a it's not a terrible take because I think more or less what they're trying to say is that he's going to be a good player, which I think we agree with. Twenty two. Young starts in Tottenham, a team who, you know, another year on the Conte is probably going to do much better this year. Some people have him in the top four. I don't, but I can get it. Uh, the issue is the Son and Kane are just so like locked into each other that they don't really allow room for other assists to come from. If they're going to be putting in goals, it's going to be from each other from what we've seen historically. So I don't know. Um, but anyway, speaking of off your rocker, I don't want to say that my takes on Fulham have been incorrect because it's only week one. So, Jacob, relax. First of all, relax. Okay. We know your fandom about Fulham. You somehow managed to convince Chris and Miles in previous seasons. I'm not 
find any hype. Um, but what a start to the first week, right? Were you conflicted in this match, Liverpool versus Fulham? I was not. You know, I felt terrible because I got COVID uh, tested positive on Sunday and I was supposed to leave to be at that match. Thursday, I was supposed to fly out and I just couldn't get well enough in time. So I, I was really bitter watching this match. And you're right, maybe the result made it much harder to stomach. But no, Shay and the rest of ATP listeners, I will not convince you on Fulham. I think that this is an aberration. They played the game of their lives. And I think th- th- there are two parts of this. One part that I think is repeatable, and that's the way they pressured and how Andres Pereira looked. I think those are repeatable facts that they can, uh, and a style of play that they can continue to cling on. I think what's not repeatable is you're requiring Tim Ream to have the game of his life. And so far, they haven't really signed additional center backs. And you're requiring Mitro to continue his hot form. And, you know, I'm, again, the jury is still out. I was struck by, because I didn't watch as much Fulham in the championship as I would have liked to last season, but I was struck by how much slower Mitrovic looked. And I think that's going to be a, a problem against teams later down the line when you just can't break out and you can't get enough people to chase those dead balls into the corner to really pressure, you know, counter pressure. I think that will be hard, um, you know, having Mitrovic run the channels consistently and they seem to have a lack of other scoring threats so that's just kind of my piece on Fulham but they showed up to the party yeah I'm in agreement with you too you know I've been following every team that Nate plays for I'm almost like a second fan of them so I've been following Fulham for the last two years and you know they it's not sustainable using Tim Ream at center back I I know they're linked with uh, Issa Diop and you know they're trying to sign I think uh, Vestergaard as well so I think Fulham will look, they're going to do the same thing they do every summer where like in the next two weeks, they're going to sign four or five players. It's going to take them some time to integrate and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I like Marco Silva as a manager and, um, you know, Shay and I know Andres Pereira is, uh, he can show his talent, but um, I just, I, I don't know how consistent it can be, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, this was a good result for them. And, and Mitchell looked like Ian Wright on that goal. He was the oh first player God. to first player to dribble past Van Dyke and um, get Van Dyke to concede a pen since he's joined Liverpool. Like, that's crazy. So they need some yeah, work, the, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the total indignance of Van Dyke when they called that penalty, like me, you mean me? I'm Virgil Van Dyke. You call penalties on me? But Mitro sauced him up, and I actually thought that that could have been one where VAR could have overturned. But as you've seen this weekend, and that's another one of my big takeaways from this weekend, is there really seems like an old man yelling at a crowd, cloud former host might be happy to hear this. They seem to kind of be honoring the on-field referee calls, unless it's totally egregious. But to me, the biggest story from the weekend, Shay, about this Liverpool-Fulham um, game, or my biggest takeaways, were – that, you know, Darwin Nunes has got to start. And, you know, I wonder if Klopp and the rest of that Liverpool team was riding high off of the um, community shield and just decided that, hey, we're going to take this one off because it's Fulham, because this is a leaky cauldron. Like, we're going we're gonna to run them out of the building. And he took it a little easy on them. But Darwin Nunes, he looks like a, a stud. And, you know, starting Bobby Firmino, I, I, don't, I don't know that I see that for the rest of the season. So. Yeah, you know, I and I don't know if it's because you kind of have to because they are by far the best players. 
and there's no facts here. So, you know, you can't, you know, fact check me if you want. I may be wrong, but I feel like Liverpool has the most consistent lineup week in and week out out of any of the top eight, 10 teams, right? So what you see is usually what you get as far as most of the season. And you're right, maybe Firmino is just in there because of familiarity. You don't want to change up too much for the week one. But I think Nunez has to start. Agreed. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he's still he's still talented, right? Like you would still think that you'd be able to put in uh, a good showing against Fulham and get the W. But yeah, Mitro looks Mitro looks on on his game. Um, yeah, so. and I think the point is, Shay, is that you're definitely right about that. Uh, I, I to two other points, I, I guess on on Liverpool. I don't know that the and this is to Fulham as well. I mean, when we talk about Fulham, like this is a huge, huge point. And it's one point that you wouldn't have expected them to get. So it could be really big down the season. And the same goes for Liverpool. You can't win the title on opening weekend, but you could certainly lose it. And so how big will those two points be dropped, you know, given that we're just starting? We haven't had the World Cup craziness. We haven't had the post-World Cup craziness. We haven't had another bout of COVID. We haven't even had Champions League fixtures and, and squad rotation. So that's why I think it's a major opportunity missed. And then the other kind of, thing that kind of gets me is Liverpool need to sign some competition at, at, at right back because that's the only thing that's popping up Trent in that position you know we I don't want to say that he lost Liverpool the Champions League final obviously goalkeeping heroics from Courtois but the man has to learn how to check his back post and I know Micho is a giant of a man but you got to jump like you got to know he's there you got to jump into him you got to do a Giorgio Chiellini and throw your hands over your head and bat the ball down. Like you have to do something. So I, I really want to see Liverpool sign some competition or find a way to utilize uh, him further up the field because he can put those great crosses in. And with Nunez, he's going to score loads of goals and have loads of offensive chances. So that's just yeah. my, my, my rant on Trent again. It's like, it's frustrating to see again. Yeah, I mean, like I said, very consistent lineup, right? That back four doesn't really change very much. And so I don't expect TA is going anywhere, but you're right. Healthy competition is always good, especially for a team, the caliber of Liverpool. I just want to put one stat out there, not not to lead the witness, right? But City had six draws last season, they won the league. City had five draws the previous season, they won the league. Liverpool had three draws the previous season, they won the league. City had two draws the previous season, they won the league. And all these teams have had four or less losses, right? So every, you know, for a title contender, this matters. Like you say, it's only week one, whatever. They're getting the rest off. But you get a point where you can get a point, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen to your point checkup around World Cup or any other business. One thing, what are you going to, what do you make of uh, Tiago being out for six weeks? You know, I think that's, uh, yeah, his uh, that injury record is, is not great. And, Klopp has pretty much said that he's they're they're done buying players this summer. So you know, are you do you think that he'll renege on that and bring bring a young player that can rotate in, or do you think it's Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho, Curtis Jones stepping up? What do you think? Yeah, we spent a lot of money this summer. I think it's been justified. I can certainly see him dipping into the transfer market and doing something. But the counter to that, if I really you know, push myself to, to like get in the mind of Klopp. It's just looking at what they did in the season with all the defensive injuries after Virgil van Dyke's uh, ACL and all the defensive injuries, you know, he went to the well and he relied on the players, you know, who had been there, right. He went to the Matt Phillips 
and, and went to, um, I can't remember the other youngster, uh, Liverpool Academy. I can picture his face. I can't think of it. But he really went to the well to trust those players. And Klopp trusts his guys. And I think he's going to try and make this an opportunity for those younger players, as you mentioned, particularly someone like Curtis Jones, who's had a pretty bad spell, to push on. I don't know how smart it is because, uh, Shay, we're talking about stats. You know, Henderson's ball retention has been terrible his last couple of starts for Liverpool. And when that happens, he really rushes it. And the beautiful thing about Thiago is his ball retention and how he cycles the play and, and his, his pressing and tackling, which is not great, but, but he, he's always amongst the mix. Gets tons of yellow cards for such a creative player. I, I think, you know, Liverpool is going to miss that. So having to rely on, you know, Milner as well, uh, you just hope the wheels don't fall off. In, in, a, in a World Cup year, Peter, yeah, it could be, it could be a mistake not to sign. Yeah, wheels fall off for sure. Uh, but it's still early. It's still early. And we know that the transfer window doesn't close to September 1st, right? So we got lots of time. I, I think Peter and I are hoping some movement happens and outside the typical title contenders. All right, let's discuss uh, some other match fixtures from the weekend, right? I'm just going to highlight a couple of games for you to discuss any, but we had Newcastle showing up to nothing. We had Chelsea sneaking by on Everton, Man City to nothing over West Ham, which I thought was a really exciting fixture. And we saw Holland just, just beasting into the, into the league and then United poof, two, one against uh two, one loss against Brighton. What, what, what other moments captured your eye or, or you think are good talking points for listeners this week? I got a couple. I mean, uh, Leeds beating Wolves, Brandon Aronson really showing up. I'm really happy for that because I saw on some, I think it was like talk sport or someone said Jesse Marsh signed two random Americans. And I was like, this guy, any, any player who comes from Salzburg is automatically good in my book. And he is going to surprise people in the league. Um, but obviously main talking point, uh, you know, just starting the the year off again with another lot with, with the loss for, for United. And, um, you know, I went from uh, being cautiously optimistic to, you know, a little, a little concerned uh, over what's going to happen and the lack of um, resources that Eric Ten Hag has had, but uh, just to, you well, know, before, well, I was uh, saying, before we go down United, cause I think they deserve a long, a long treatment. And I know you and Chad were, 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 yeah, yeah. I just want to say that uh, it was a really good weekend for Americans, actually. You know, Reem, Americans on uh, Leeds played well. Yeah, that was a really good match uh, to watch. A lot of great skill on display. You know, seeing Ben gives me maybe more hope than I had for Leeds. So maybe Jesse Marsh, you know, will have a better showing than, than Bob Bradley. I think the jury's still out. But I'm excited to see uh, what leads do in their um, their uh, next fixture um, where they play uh, Southampton. And they're playing Southampton away, so maybe Southampton show up. But I think they could get a bit of a momentum here. And then my other takeaway is that, you know, Nottingham Forest are, ooh, it's going to be rough. It is really going to be a struggle for them. And I think that they're going to be rooted bottom to the Premier League. I think it'll be too hard to bet in um, that that many signings. Yeah, already made 12 signings. They're going to make a couple more soon, too. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, what their squad looks like towards the end of the year. But, yeah, total agreement with you, man. 
And then I would say, finally, I just want to go to some of the uh, listeners because the listeners were particularly captivated by the Everton match and gave us some spicy takes that <laughs> Everton didn't look that bad. This is at James Gardner, longtime listener, JR Gardner 91 on Twitter. Spicy take is that Everton didn't look bad. They looked far more organized. And with Connor Cody coming in, that signing got done today. Onana and Idrissa Gay coming in to solidify the backbone of the team. They should be looking to land in the top half of the table. In the words of Michael Scott, I'm ready to be hurt again. Shay, I know you Miles love to slag off Everton. Is there any hope there? Is that is that crazy? Same goes for you, Peter. Any chance? Yeah, I I don't I don't like Everton uh, this season like I did last season. That's for sure. I don't I don't think they made the right moves, right? And they somehow get older in certain positions, which doesn't make sense to me. And as much as I love Iwobi, and I hope he has an amazing World Cup for us, he's I, I yeah I I just have so many questions about this team. They barely escaped relegation, you know. But I could I could get behind. I could get behind a team that was coming off of the Benitez hype and then at the time James Rodriguez hype, but no, no, not, not much, not much expectation here this season. I'm just surprised it took, I'm just surprised it was so difficult for Chelsea to win this game. Right. I know they were the better team in terms of all the statistics, but if you, but it was one, nothing and it was a penalty. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I said last week, I think high hopes for Chelsea. I have high hopes for Chelsea and I still do. I just, I just hope that this is not a representative of how they play the season. Yeah, I kind of, um, I think it's more of Chelsea than Everton. You know, I think uh, I, I have some disagreement with you, Shay, on, on Chelsea, just because there's been so much transition at the club with new ownership. A lot of the staff that uh, were part of the Abramovich era left, like Marina Garanaskaya, Peter Cech. So it's just like Todd Bowley is the de facto director of football, like Ed Woodward doing all these deals. And yes, they've signed... Yes, they've signed uh, Kubali and, and Sterling. They still need a lot more. You know, they're linked with a lot of uh, players, but it's going to take time. And I just have a feeling that there's going to be some sort of clash between Tuchel and Boley. Every club that Tuchel's left, he has a problem with the people above him at PSG and Dortmund. And I just have this feeling that's going to happen there. But, um, you know, let's, uh, speaking of other top six games or kind of top six, you know, yeah, we got to talk about United. We got to well, we got to first give some um, some flowers to Brighton because they were very good. They were very organized as you know a team. Moises Saicedo, a player that was linked with United uh, two years ago for five million, they turned down, and he absolutely bossed that midfield. So yeah, watching them just like Brighton was always a typical game because it was they're a very they're probably one of the most organized teams at least in like kind of that bottom mid-table half so just you know credit to them and I hope that they can kind of continue there uh Shay what what were your thoughts uh from a you know from United seeing Eric Ten Hag's first game what do you think yeah um it's it's a good question it's a good question I'll tell you my first immediate thought is that there's very few takeaways for me in a positive light from that game. Even the one goal we scored was by accident, right? Um, it hit off Dallas' arm as he was trying to gather his body to kick it in. Uh, I, I do like I do like the formation a bit. I know it's not a pure out-and-out striker, and it's taken away from Ronaldo's ability to, to earn his, his paycheck, if you will. But I really do want to push this Sancho Rashford 
Fernandez connection all season. I think it, one, it's going to be good for England with Sancho and Rashford. And I think, I think two, it's a lot of speed and a lot of good ball movement. And it's the right talent that you want to emphasize. But I thought defensively, we, we looked, we, we just had poor coverage. We didn't control the ball. I think that we, I, I still see a lot of gaps in the middle of the field, right? In terms of being able to actually dictate the pace of the game, which is what you were hoping that Ericsson would do, slash if he bought in Frankie de Jong would do. And I think yeah. I, I think Brighton exploited exploited that. I think they did. Yeah, Brighton were good. I, I Graham Potter is a good manager. I think I picked him to get relegated last year, Brighton, and I think they're on course for a top half finish. Like I think they're a tough out. And I look at another team that's really well organized. I look at Manchester United's lineup next week at Brentford. You know, that's another team that I think they could struggle against if they play the same way. I think looking at United guys on like the outside end from from my vantage point. It's just, let's just accept that United are mediocre and bad. Like everyone needs to like get off the focus on the yeah, United train. Agreed. The board needs to accept that this is the, you know, this is the pre-clop era. Like if I, I keep, you know, Peter, I keep coming back to like Liverpool about just that down era with the Hodge and like, you know, just let Ten Hag work, acknowledge that you may have a lot of sixth and seventh place finishes in a row, but you got to regenerate the squad because your squad is garbage. And so that's like what I get to is if we just acknowledge that this is a lost year, why doesn't Ten Hag just come in straight away? Bench Ronaldo, just forget putting him in there. doesn't matter how good he is. Take a firm stance. You know, start Malasia. Start the, these young guys. Get your youth in there. Get them experience. Let time for the transfer window to develop. My, my fear for you guys is, you know, he's going to be out of a job again in year. Like they're going to give him the OGS yeah. sort of treatment. Well, I think he's supposed to work, man- work, work magic. But meanwhile, you have them signing, you know, uh, Rabio and Arnautovic you're looking to. And you want to add a snake into your locker room? Like, these two guys are not yeah. you know, team players. So it just doesn't look good. But we've got to eat this time. Okay, well, yes. Look, you started to take – you started to give your – your unbiased view and made a little biased. And I want to give Peter a chance to talk here. But I, I agree. I think the issue is, Jacob, is that, you know, bad or not – United still has a very, it still has a very expensive set of characters, right? So you can't have this talent and not have a little bit of expectation. Granted, it shouldn't be unpressure for Ten Hag. You need to give him time to develop. And I want Peter, I want you to talk about that for a little bit. But to, to, yes, we know that the caliber that they should be measured at right now, Jacob, is that fifth, sixth, seventh place. But you still have an expectation from the starting lineup and from the club that you should be competing in all competitions, right? Not to win, but you should be competing. What do you, what are your thoughts on that, Peter? Yeah. You know, you guys know my thoughts on Eric Ten Hag. Um, I think he is an excellent manager and, and, and I watched preseason for the first time in, in a long time. And I really liked what he was doing. The problem as it always is was with United are the people above Eric Ten Hag, you know, I mean, the guy was, he was set on signing freaking De Jong. I mean, still, there's a slim chance it may happen. It probably will not happen. But they, instead of moving on, United have now neglected to bring anyone in. And, you know, three weeks before the season um, or the transfer market ends, it's, uh, you know, as, as we mentioned, perhaps Edwin Rabio, who knows. Um, the team... There are good players there. You know, the only weak point I see in that team is that um, there is no progression in the midfield. Scott McTominay is like an accident of a player. And you could see 
if we had a Frankie DeYoung, if we had someone who could progress the ball, that solves things. But United are kind of a combobulation of three or four different managers. And, and that's the problem. And, you know, give, give him time. You know, I think um, I do, I do like what he's doing. I, I think watching them again in preseason, uh, they looked well. Um, I have differing viewpoints on Cristiano Ronaldo than, than a lot of people. And I, and I really do think he's disrupted a lot of this with not showing up to preseason and, you know, trying to leave the club, but no one wanting him. And then that kind of disrupts us buying a a forward and that makes things difficult, but, you know, give it time. And yes, I, I do think, yeah, sixth place is sixth, fifth place is where they are right now, but I would be happy with that as long as this team has a style of play and you can see what's happening, you know, Arsenal from last year, you see where they're going. That's, that's all I want. And I think that's going to happen. I just think let's give it, let's just give it some time, you know, he, so, so how much time Peter? Cause I look at the schedule and I take people back. I mentioned they play Brentford um, away. Yeah. Yeah. The following week, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. at home. Yeah. You know, it could be till the week four when they play Southampton away, who look, yeah. you know, yeah, but fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, but Jacob, could I they mean, be a winless to week four? Sure. I mean, maybe, perhaps. But look, Liver Arsenal lost their first three games, and people were saying, "Oh, they're getting relegated," and that was year two into our, the Arteta project. Like, it will be bad, but United, unless the dressing room is completely lost, which it will not be, because everything that's been happening has been positive they're not going to make that decision to be like, all right, we're going to sack him. Like they, it took them so long. It took them to sack Ollie. They're not going to do that. And again, like this guy is, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ten Hag. That Ajax team from 1819 was one of the best teams in Europe I've seen. He is an excellent manager. He's learned under the best like Pep Guardiola. He's the best manager United could have signed right now. That's available. Like, it, it will work. It's just going to take time. And I think, you know, we're going to have results like this and that's, and that's fine, but you know, get, just give it some time. We've United have never done this. They get to, they, they get too trigger happy and then they appoint the next person and it just doesn't work. So all that I'm saying is like, it'll be bad for a while. Liverpool was there like that, but we'll be, we'll be okay. We're we'll, we going to be all right. So that's, mm, that's mm. it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I, 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 I like. I it. want to spare a thought, Jay. Just uh, two thoughts. One for a former Manchester United player. I thought Danny Welbeck looked good. I mean, I, he really looked at it. And if he could stay healthy, man, that that'd be really great for Brighton. Because when Brighton do struggle, it's because you know I'm not really convinced that Trossard and Mulpe can be the ones to fire them through. And, and then on uh, Sancho, Shay, you know, I know Peter's going to think this is the most disrespectful thing, but because it is, and that is like, you know, is it possible, you know, that Jaden Sancho is just the British Nicholas Pepe. Like you're going to get some nice fancy footwork. You're going to get some lateral dribbling across the field, but you know, is he going to be able to deliver? Cause I got question marks. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let's Peter, if you want to give a quick rebuttal, but quick, please. All I'll say is the stats, the stats say otherwise, and, and that's it. So the stats say otherwise. I mean, everyone looks bad right now, Jacob on that team. Rashford looks bad and we know he's a good player. So, you know, just give him time. It's week one. It's week one. You know, like Peter said, we're going to be all right. I hope. Maybe not. Let's see. Um, but England will be good. I have a, I have a good feeling about that. Okay. I want to give a couple of shots before we go listen to questions. One, Holland scoring two goals. Miles has said he's going to tear up 
the Premier League. His interview, post-match interview, has been going viral on on IG and Twitter and whatnot. So, you know, I don't want to start a debate, but thoughts on Haaland. Is he going to be a huge success or is he just going to meet the expectation? Jacob, Peter. He's smashing it out of the water so far. And Bournemouth at home next week, Newcastle away, Crystal Palace home, you know, Nottingham Forest at home, then Aston Villa. That takes you to game week six. Yeah. So he's... He is unstoppable. He is faster. The amount of three balls he's going to get, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ease, the ease towards he scored against West Ham. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's a generational player. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to get 20-plus goals and be here for a while. So Wow, interesting. Okay, and yeah, then another, another shout-out. Stretch, like, they have another stretch right before the World Cup in November where they play Fulham at home, Brentford at home, Leeds away, Everton at home. I mean, they have these great stretches. And then again, and later in the season, Aston Villa's uh, Nottingham Forest Bournemouth. Again, they, and then to finish the season, Fulham leads Everton. Like, they are getting these great tranches of matches where I just think – Barring injury, he's going to just bang in the G's. Yeah. Get him in well, your fantasy line. Well, they've done a good job of clearing the runway for him. They've literally gotten rid of every every other pure striker on the team. So yeah, Holland, Holland or bust. Um, do you want to give a shout out to uh for Calvin Phillips though, for making the move and actually playing? I'm very interested to see how he does. I hope this is not one of those Jack Rodwell kind of moves. Um, and then also to the five substitutions. I mean, United used them. So look at that. Look at that. We thought it was going to be wild before team started adapting it. I saw multiple three-plus substitutions this match week. So I love that. Let's jump into listener questions. Let's wrap up the podcast. We got a couple minutes. I'm just going to read them off and point to a person and you answer, right? I know Jacob already covered some of these, so thank you. Um, uh, okay. Peter, this is for you because you watched All Nothing. Thoughts on All Nothing Arsenal. How much time thoughts does Mikel Teta put into preparing the pre-match whiteboard drawings. All I'll say about All or Nothing, I've only watched the first episode, is that uh, Josh Kroenke is basically, if you, if anyone watches Succession, he's basically Kendall Roy. It's so absurd. Like, <laughs> just like going around acting like he knows what's going on, but like not really knowing. It's He's a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to watch it. Honestly, I was, I was wondering when it was going to come out and I missed it, but I'll be watching it. Good content. Okay, Jacob. This is from uh, Alex Hubber. Is the midfield the only part keeping Liverpool from consistently winning? I, I don't agree with that. And then second question, quick follow-up. Is success only measured by amount of games won and trophies acquired? Uh, on the first one, if it does happen this season, they don't win, I would say yes. I think they need more goals from midfield. Sadio Mane's goals are going to be hard to uh, replicate, um, you know, who knows what happens with Jota? We got a lot of players who seem to be consistently injured, so possibly. Second question, it's about your expectation. You can have no uh, uh, disappointments or quarrels if you don't have an unfair expectation. So I think it's about fans and teams having a reasonable expectation. That's why I love it when managers or even even leadership come out and say, these are our markers and these are our goals for the season. It gets everyone on the same page about what to do, not to do. Uh, we didn't talk about this team at all this match, but I look at a, a club at like, like Lester and say, man, Brendan Rogers, they win some trophies, but he's really underperforming. But if you look at it from the outside, you'd say, well, would you expect Lester to win these trophies? And the answer is no, but then they do. And, you know, they finished fifth twice in a row, but you'd never expect them to finish fourth. But if you knew that they dropped out of fourth place at the end of the season and then failed away, 
then you'd say that's a problem. So it's about expectation. And I won't go on the record. I think Rodgers is getting sacked pretty soon. Wow. Wow. You heard it from Jacob. Wow. Spoken like a true revolutionary, transformational leader. I like it. A little too PC for my liking, Jacob, um, especially since I know you very well. But okay. Last question is from Rob Nice, and I'll just take this one. What do we learn about Chelsea versus, Chelsea versus Spurs next Sunday? We don't know already. Um, I don't think you should learn anything because it's only match week two. One thing I do know is that Koscheski will not be this, this leader. So that's one thing we'll learn that we do know already. Um, and then two is <laughs> let's see how Sterling, let's see how Sterling integrates. I'm curious to see if he's going to be the player that we knew he was a little boy. He showed flashes up, but it's kind of lost a little bit of momentum just from Pep's rotation. So that's what I'm curious to see next week in the Chelsea Spurs game. Um, but with that, gentlemen, second podcast down, new style, new content. I appreciate both of you joining. Uh, any last words for listeners before, before, we, uh, before we bounce? feels good to be back. You know, we had to make a, a tactical lineup change and get Peter in. So, Miles, I'm sorry. The fifth substitution didn't work in your favor this week. Mm, love it. Buckle up. It's going to be wild. But I will say the United home kit is fresh. Is, and is nice. I wore a pop collar all day in my misery on Sunday. <laughs> somebody, somebody at this cross light was like, bro, hang in there, man. You're <laughs> It'll be all right. So. <laughs> 